Hey guys, welcome back to the Breathe Free Podcast. We have another awesome episode planned today, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Breathe Free Podcast, where we get to know the people of Breathe Free. So strap in as we talk to the top healthcare providers in the country. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take a moment and let's breathe free. This is the Breathe Free Podcast with your host, Matt Gannam. Welcome back to another episode of the Breathe Free Podcast, where we get to know the people in the Breathe Free family. I'm your host, Matt Gannam. Before I introduce today's guest, make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us a review and let us know what you think about the content. And on the show today, our guest is a physician assistant from Frederick Breathe Free Sinus and Allergy Centers. He has a robust experience in medicine and has done a crazy amount to help Frederick grow the way that it has. I am super excited to have Mark Klein on the show today. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm honored to be on it. I, I can't wait to see what happens today. Oh, man. I, I, you got a, for those that don't know Mark, he's, 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 he's hilarious. He's got a great sense of humor. So I'm super excited to see what kind of weird stuff, good stuff pops up on the podcast today. Um, I so won't to, let you down. What's that? I said I won't let you down. Oh, I don't, I don't think you will. Um, so to start us off, Mark, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how long you've been with Breathe Free, and um, you know whatever you want to share. All right. So um, I graduated from GW in 1995, the 1900s, like I like to say, um, and I've been practicing for almost 30 years. I started with Breathe Free. I can't believe it's two years already. Um, it, it'll be two years uh, next week, and uh, it is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So um, I've, I've done background medicine in emergency medicine, trauma, um, ICU medicine, and also urgent care during COVID. Uh, which was a nightmare, as you can imagine. So, I believe that um, we can dig into that here in a moment. Tell us, uh, tell the tell tell the listeners, tell the Breathe Free family a little bit about uh, why you think you know this is one of the best decisions you've ever made. Well, I, I think you have to think about my my background, right? So, in mostly emergency medicine, um, you know, you kind of go in, you tell people what they uh, what they need, um, and they just kind of listen to you. Um, I would always end up telling people that, you know, I, I may not figure out what's going on with you today, but I'll rule out everything that's going to kill you. And they were totally fine with that in the ER, right? So you're kind of going in and out, in and out. And then um, urgent care is the same kind of thing, in and out. But you don't really get to know the people um, like like I can now. So, I, I mean, I feel like I'm practicing medicine uh, for the first time in my life like I was meant to, like that fits my personality, um, not that emergency medicine didn't fit my personality. It's how I was back then. But now I'm just, you know, I'm an old guy that likes to tell stories and, and help people feel better. So um, it's it's perfect for me. Yeah, it, it sounds that way. So I appreciate the the honesty there. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, there is a lot of I've interviewed a lot of PAs and obviously we've had we have over 70 APPs in, the, in, in around the country now. And most of our folks like to talk to people, like to educate, like to spend time, like to get to know, you know, the people that are coming in that, that have issues. Um, but there's plenty of folks that would prefer that 50 or 60 patient load where you're running in and out and you're not getting an opportunity to dig in. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, you got to cut. I feel like you got to cut your teeth on that to really get to know a lot of medicine because you see such a high volume. Um, you know, for me, this is my this is my uh, last job, my uh, walking into the sunset, if you will, uh, of my career, and I and I I love it. I love to come to work, and it's I can't believe I say that out loud. You know, I, I haven't said it in years, so uh, I'll say it again if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you do. D- Danny's very vocal about sort of your role in the clinic and, and how much you, you know, time and, and care you dedicate to, to not only the staff, but, but the patient base that comes in. So that, that will forever be appreciated. When you, when you first heard about us, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what, how you heard about us, how you heard about Breathe Free and, and what your initial sort of kind of thoughts were before speaking with anyone? Well, I, I was I was drowning in uh, doing urgent care, actually here in Frederick, and and going to different urgent care places. And Tiffany was working here, and Tiffany and I had met uh, working together in urgent care. And I called her. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. This is horrible. 60, 70 patients. You know, she's like, Well, you come to Breathe Free. It's amazing. It's uh, you get to talk to patients. You get to do medicine. You're not told what to do. You really get to know these people. Uh, and I was like, Ah, ears and nose and throat. Uh, you know, snot and wax, and that just is not sound. She goes, it's not, it's way better. Don't even think about it like that. You got to come and experience, meet the people, experience the platform, and understand what they're trying to do here. Cause she's like, because we fix people, and it's it changes their lives. So, um, you know, at first I was a little hesitant. I'm like, I don't know if that's up my, up my alley, but it truly is. So what was that experience like going into the clinic, obviously meeting Danny and Dr. Oberman? You know, what you think when you, what was the takeaway? Welcoming. I mean, just totally welcoming, very relaxing. Um, These guys are confident. They're able to instill, um, you know, a a feeling of it's going to be okay. You're going to do great here. I've heard good things about you, um, you know, and just walking around and and looking at the place. And we were upstairs in in a much smaller place, but seeing what their ideas were for the new place was was very exciting, you know, kind of getting on the ground floor almost because they'd only been open maybe five months um, and already we're drowning in patients. Yeah, that, that, that's a good problem to have. And there's a definitely a need there. And I remember that, that temporary space, we've done those at, at plenty of clinics, but if you had a good experience, visiting that clinic with that temporary space, then, uh, you know, obviously you're, you know, excited about the brand new, the space you guys have is beautiful too. It is. Um, I only wish it was a little bit bigger, but other than that, it's great. Um, has anything surprised you in the past, you know, two years or so? Like what, what jumped out at you is something that maybe you didn't expect or good or bad. Uh, you know, um, I would say it's all good. It, it literally is all good. I, uh, what jumped out, is how much I'm helping people, how, how, first of all, how relaxing it is here, how it is like a family, um, just, just like the, um, the culture that you've, that you've developed, uh, with these places and having people like Dan and Dr. Oberman, um, it's just, it's just relaxing. Like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm surprised at how, how much I like it. I'm surprised at how nice everybody is. And, and, you know, it really is true. If you, um, treat people like they want to be treated, like you want to be treated. It all works out nice. I'm constantly, um, patients are constantly saying, everyone's so nice here. And I always think, well, where are you going? That people aren't <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> no, this is the nicest office. Everyone's so happy. You can tell people like working here. It's, it's, um, it's, it's great. I'm very happy. What is your, um, 
what did your family think when you went home and you were like, Hey, I'm thinking about maybe exploring this opportunity. What kind of feedback did you get? <laughs> well, my, my wife knew I was miserable doing urgent care. Um, but she's like, I, I don't know. And you think you can do this? She's a PA also. She works in the pediatric ICU at Walter Reed. And she's obviously, we've been married 28 years. So she knows me and she's like, you think you can handle it? Slow down and this and that. I'm like, I, I can't believe I'm going to be talking to patients for 50 minutes. So yeah. And she knows I can talk to people. I can talk and talk and talk. So, um, yeah, she was a little hesitant, but now she sees me. She's like, man, you're really happy. You've come home in a good mood. Um, it's good. So so good feedback over the past two years about just your general demeanor and, and, and you know, uh, yeah. state of mind post post working these long days. And, and it's sometimes in some cases it could be harder to talk to seven or eight patients for an hour each than run in and clean, you know, 30 sets of ears. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you this, even at the end of the day, right, no one wants that 4 o'clock, 4.30 patient, new patient, right? But you go in there and I look and I'm like, man, they, they worked all day. They're here now. They deserve as much time as the 8 a.m. patient or the 10 a.m. patient, right? I mean, you can't, you can't short, short them and you wouldn't want it then anyway. So it's, it, it's worth it. It's totally worth it for me. I mean, sometimes I, I, I go, I think I'm talking too much. I'm a chatty Chucky and they'll say, no, no, I enjoy it. You know, I had a lady yesterday and she, I, she'd been to, this is the third ENT she's been to. And uh, I just went to one two months ago and they said X, Y, and Z. Um, and then I said, well, how much time have they, did they spend with you? Uh, 10 minutes? She's like, no, no, five minutes at the most. And they didn't do anything for me. And you're in here, it's 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. And um, and we're, we're not done yet. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it's it's sending medicine on its ear, but no pun intended. But um, people, not everybody can do this, right? Even though they should. Um, I want to get back to, to this patient in one second. But one thing I wanted to mention as an aside, based on what you what you mentioned, um, um, when we interview PAs, we, we talk about the ones that when they say, like, what does it take to be successful in this? In this it's very different. And, and what my comment always is, is the, the folks that are the most successful and the ones that you know, do the best are the, are the PAs that, you know, have a four o'clock new patient who shows up at four fifteen, yeah. hasn't filled their forms out, didn't respond to any of the, you know, appointment reminders. And they go, you know what, that this, this patient who I'm actually not going to see after their imaging and things like that until four thirty, four forty five, you know, they deserve the same level of care as the patient that showed up 15 minutes earlier for their 9am appointment and already had their forms filled out. Yeah. So, it's true. I mean, you kind of you kind of walking down the hall of the room, going, God, you know, freaking stricken, freaking, you know, the old you know, seventy Sam cursing, and then you walk in there and you're like, ah, this poor guy, this poor gal, right? <laughs> they look miserable. They're at their wit's end. So, yeah, it's, it's worth it. You know, you go home, you drive home, you feel good about your day. Yeah, of our of our twenty two clinics that we have, give or take half of them are de novo practices, which means that you know whether it's a, a doctor that moved across the country and we found a space and opened. Um, like Dr. Oberman left his old practice and we started this one. The other half are practices that were in existence. So, you know, they have a staff, they have, you know, they have insurance contracts, they have a website, they have, you know, they have decorations, they have all this stuff. And what a lot of them actually have in place, you know, um, what they'll say is if, if a patient shows up more than five or 10 minutes late, reschedule them, we're not going to see them. And, 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 and to me, like, that's an immediate, we got to take that away. Another thing that we usually take away is they send patients to collections if they don't pay. And it could be a $10 copay that they didn't even know that they didn't pay, or they did pay it. And the person at the front didn't post it to their account. 
So when they get that bill, they're like, I paid that. And now you're in collections and your credit score is down 100 points over you know, 10 or 20 bucks. So those are the types of things that are important that make sure that we don't do because you know it, these people are, they're people. I mean, they're taking time out of their day. They're going to see a specialist. A lot of what we do, and you know this, a lot of what you guys see isn't emergent, right? There's, there's a small subset of patients that you'll see that are emergent, but for the most part, it's quality of life. So, you know, they don't really have to be here in a lot of cases. So it's, it's super important to help them understand how we can help them. And, and to, to the, you know, philosophy of the early intervention and not allowing people's disease state to continue to progress, you know, you, it's seeing, giving that folk, giving the folks at 430 or 445 that much time, I mean, that's paramount long-term in their life. So, you know, that, 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 that goes without saying to it, I really appreciate you. No, they do, they do appreciate it too. They understand, you know, Hey, it's the end of the day too, you know, say, I'm sorry, I'm late, you know, Hey, wow, I can't believe how much time you spent with me, but I'm constantly surprised by how much people don't understand their, their sinuses and, you know, what allergy symptoms typically are and, and how much education goes into, you know, when you walk in there, like first thing, when I walk in there, I don't, talk about medicine right away. I, t I introduce myself, I talk to them for a few minutes and make them comfortable, you know? So to me, that goes a long way before you just kind of dive into, okay, so I understand blah, blah, blah. No, let's talk about why you're here. Let's talk about, you know, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Um, you know, so I, I get a lot of information out of the patients um, just by trying to get to know them. Um, and that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Can we, um, get back to, to the patient that you talked about from yesterday. So you said she had seen three ENTs. We were the if third. Yes. yes. So, 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 so we were the third practice she'd been to and, you know, recent and recently, what, what, what was her, what was she coming in for chief complaint? And do you know what they each of the other two practices? And if you know who they are, don't mention them, but what, what they told her or what they did for her. Well, one, one uh, practice was a doctor that was just retiring and said she didn't have anything wrong with her. Um, and he was in there for five minutes. The second one said she needed um, a rhinoplasty and a septoplasty and had um, a nasal valve collapse and a deviated septum. And she said they didn't even, all they did was look in my nose with a the light. They didn't do any imaging. Um, they said they told me what I needed and, and then I needed this procedure. And then that was it. And then I, she said I left, and I didn't really even understand if I was supposed to book the procedure or if I was going to get any medicines. They didn't offer me any med. You know, she kind of left more confused than when she walked in there, which is, which happens a lot, right? <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. Um, so she, she was very happy, you know. And, and, and as I'm explaining it to her, she's like, well, you know, this really makes sense. So, uh, you know, I, and and she lives in Virginia, right? So she drove, she drove over an hour to get here. Um, and she said, you know, the reason I did this is, you know, this is still bothering me. It's been months um, and you guys had great reviews and you had opening appointments. And I explained to her this because we have three PAs, the doctor's doing procedures, that, that kind of thing. And um, she's like, I'm so glad I came here. You know, and, and I, I hear that <laughs> it would be nice to say I didn't ha hear it so often, but I do. Right. You would think other practices do more, but they don't. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the story for folks listening that that if there's any folks listening that that aren't in the breathe free family, I mean, this is not uncommon. It, it would be it would be uncommon that we would go a day without hearing a story like this, unfortunately. So um, tons of opportunity to help people. Uh, what, what do you remember what her chief complaint was? Was it congestion or was it anything else? It was nasal congestion and sinus pain, you know, and, and um, you know, the she had no imaging done, no follow-up appointment. Um, just decide what you'd like to do. This is what I recommend. 
not you have this, you have that, no instructions, nothing. It didn't seem very structured, but it was your basic scientist complaint, right? But I mean, she could have been the lady with the ears, right? Uh, that comes in with ear complaints, doesn't understand how her ears um, and sinuses and nasal passages work together. I mean, I get that all the time also. It seems kind of interesting because philosophically, um, we use the, uh, uh, the, the physicians in, the, in our APPs use imaging as a diagnostic tool, whereas traditionally in ENT and, and still in a lot of cases, it's used confirm as a confirmatory tool post-extended medical therapy. The interesting part about your story about the young lady yesterday is she came in with a congestion, of course, is one of the you know four main sinus chief complaints, but congestion could be just congestion without any sinusitis, of course. But in this case, she also had facial pain and pressure, which mm -hmm. means there's probably something going on with in, in her sinonasal cavity. And she wasn't offered imaging, nor was she offered any sinonasal procedure, which obviously you're probably not going to offer without imaging anyways. So it's just kind of it's kind of interesting that it wasn't very comprehensive, I suppose, which is unfortunate because, you know, she didn't get an opportunity to see what was actually happening. So thank you for taking the time to to educate her. I mean, that'll go a long way for her. And obviously, you know, we have a great solution in the office. So. She'll, she'll get the relief she needs. But, yeah, and not only that, Matt, I mean, these, these people come in and they've been told nothing's wrong with them and this and that. And I've heard this on, you know, when we have our meetings, um, she's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I, I, you know, I thought it was in my head. I thought I was going, you know, I was imagining it. And you're like, no, look, you're not imagining it. You have this. So um, that's another thing that I hear all the time. Yeah. I've talked about this specific patient um, that sort of changed my philosophy on or purpose for what breathe free is about, you know, going way back into early 2019, we've been open a few months. Um, Dr. Khan is like, Hey, you need to, you know, this lady, this lady has sinusitis. If you could go, you know, schedule her for a procedure. And, and he only had 20 minute new patient appointments at the time. He, and he didn't spend the time that you guys do It was a different model. Then he always ran on time, no matter what. And obviously you, you and I both know that 20 minutes isn't enough. So I go in, I spent 30 minutes talking to her, right? Because, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't really, he didn't have an opportunity to really educate her on, you know, the process, what the, what the procedure was like, what the recovery was like, et cetera. And a, as I go through it all, she's like, thank you. You know, I really appreciate your time, et cetera. But you know, when, when, when I tell her how easy it is, she literally starts first of all going, Hey, thank you for telling me I'm not crazy. Cause you're, this is the third practice I've been to. The other two didn't put a camera in my nose, didn't scan me. One of them gave me uh, told me to buy Flonase. The other one gave me an antibiotic and they told me I was fine. Come back in six weeks. If the issue's still happening, she's got tears running down her face Yeah, because she's like, I, I kind of started thinking I was crazy and you're telling me I'm not crazy. So I appreciate that. And the crazy thing, the whole, about the whole thing was she actually had some disease on her CT scan. I think Dr. Connell only did a few of her sinuses. We saw her for a two week post-op. She had a $40 copay. I think 40 bucks is what it was. Everything else was covered because it's an in-office procedure. She actually had an HMO plan too. Um, I remember that specifically because that was when I was involved in the authorizations. And we saw her for a two-week post-op. She said a little bit of congestion, everything's feeling better. We never saw her again. Yeah, so it's impressive. So it's, right? it's, just a, it's impressive on um, how ineffective um, providers can be with their patients. And um, it makes you feel good when they, uh, they tell you that. I mean, I've had some people tell me stuff like, wow make me stop in my tracks you know what what yeah to that point what's your what give me your you know top two or you know one or two patient success stories where you're like where maybe the patient you know you were like wow i can't believe how much better this patient got or th their life was impacted 
you know, so that so that the listeners can hear sort of kind of what kind of uh, outcomes we're seeing up in Maryland. Okay, so you know where we live, it's it's a big rural area, right? So you get these guys that come in here; they've been working labor you know, on farms. You know, kind of tough looking guys. I, I have two stories, and I'll never forget this guy. He came in and he had a bad septum. He had headaches. He had nasal passage rhinorrhea. I mean, he just had everything. He had never been tested for allergies. Just a guy that just kind of, you know, lived through it. And then when it was all said and done, he comes in for a six week. Um, I, I said, Hey, I, you, you look fantastic. And, and this guy that you would never think he starts crying. I'm like, I'm going to try not to. <laughs> Anyways, he goes, I remember when you walked in here and you finished. And the last thing you said to me was, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to make you be able to do things that you didn't think you could ever do again, just because you can breathe normal and sleep normal. And he said, and you guys did it. And I was like, wow, that was just goose bumpy. And, uh, you know, tears streaming down his face. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, if I didn't see another patient, that would be like the greatest thing. But then in comes this other lady, right? Um, I don't know, maybe um, a couple months later. And she had, nasal polyps, no sense of smell. And she's in her late forties, but her kids are little, you know, she, she started had her kids late and she came in and she said, Oh, I can smell again. It's, it's amazing. I can smell. I'd love to cook. And now I can smell the food. I can taste the food better. And she goes, I can smell my children. That's <laughs> you know, like incredible. little kids, right? <laughs> I can smell my children. You know, how little kids smell, right? And I was like, I literally stopped. And I was like, wow. Okay. I mean, you know, what What can you say to that? It doesn't get any better than that. She's, so she's a huge fan. So that's, that's, that's amazing that, you know, such an opportunity to help folks, um, you know, especially maybe the first guy who might not have gotten help in a lot of places. Um, obviously, if you have tons of nasal polyps, everyone's going to offer you, you know, most ENTs will offer you a solution. May not be an office-based solution, but still a solution. So. You know, um, you know, again, thank you for, for sharing those stories. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing that the stories brought up, tell, tell us a little bit about your family. Obviously, you know, you mentioned you were married for 29 years, I think you said, but tell us a little about the rest of your family and, you know, just uh, about what, you know, what you guys do when you're not working and stuff like that. Okay. Well, uh, my wife, I've met, um, in my undergraduate, um, career at university of Maryland, been married 28 years. Um, and, uh, she was my lab partner in undergrad school, worst lab partner ever. Uh, she can be pissed about us. She never did any work, but she was really cute. Um, we have three children, um, Madeline Mitchell and Mark, they're 25, 24 and 22. So pretty close shot group, as they say. Um, Three kids in 35 months. Um, wow. So she's also a um, she's also a PA, and my daughter's in PA school. So we made a baby PA, um, and actually Madeline worked here for about a year with with Dr. Oberman um, and got accepted to a PA school in Tennessee. Um, and we're a big family that likes to hang out together. So um, growing up, the kids, my wife and I owned a karate studio. Uh, we also owned a CrossFit. So the kids kind of grew up in the karate studio. They're all black belts. Um, oh, wow. My wife is a six degree, so um, she doesn't have to tell me more than once to do something because um, she's terrifying. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I was going to say, man, you're probably clearing your plate and taking the trash out without without uh, question. I know my place for sure. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's uh, truly amazing. Um, 
you know, I, I, I've always I've kind of started to think about my life, and, you know, at this point, and I don't know if you want to hear this, but um, I, uh, you, you look back when, as you get older, and, and I, I guess I've kind of dedicated my life to helping people when I was in the Navy in, in my 20s. Um, I did search and rescue. Um, and when I got out, I went to PA school. Um, and then we opened a karate studio and we helped these little kids, you know, learn to be um, confident and, and, you know, friendly and work on their people skills. And then we did um, lady defense. So a lot of things when in my growing up um, in the ER, you saw a lot of women that were abused. So I'm a, I'm a Krav Maga instructor and I, I, I started a lady defense class that um, I love. I don't get to do it as much as I do, but it really helps um, these women that have, that, that have gone through some rough times. Um, and it's funny when they come in they're all meek and mild. And then after a few weeks, they're just totally weapons. They can, they, when they realize, you know, what they can do and what they're capable of and give them the confidence of you can defend yourself. That's, um, that's something that, uh, is cool. And, and my wife helps me with that too. So it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, I didn't know that. What, um, so you, one of your, one of your, your, one of your daughters lives in Tennessee for PA school. Do your other two kids live local? Oh yeah. I, I kind of left the boys out. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You got to talk about the baby PA for sure. So, well, they're both, they're both, um, as I say, figuring it out. Um, one is school is not cut out for him. Um, Mitchell, uh, but he is a rapper. Uh, he loves to, um, sing and do that kind of stuff. So that's one thing he does. They're both bartending right now and they're in their twenties and they're just enjoying, uh, the bartending scene. And, uh, they both have girlfriends or, you know, they're good kids and I can't give them crap because I, I went to college three times before I finished out. Finished. No, no. <laughs> I get that. I want, I need to hear some, I need to hear some of Mitchell's, uh, some of Mitchell's tracks. Mitch, the kid, Mitch, the kid, Mitch the kid. Yeah. He's got to, he's got to send me some, man. I want to, I want to listen to him. Oh my God. Does he have anything that he, does he have anything that that's recorded? Oh, oh yeah. He's, he's, he's dropped a couple, um, uh, CDs or albums. I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, but Mitch, the kid, um, um, ball in Lake Kansas. Um, don't get it. Don't get it tricky. I mean, he's got a bunch of stuff. It's I'm gonna, pretty. I'm gonna try to pull it up. Pull it up while we're talking. On uh, is, is he? Is it? Is it available like on Apple or Spotify? Um, I think you know? Spotify. It definitely on YouTube. Mitch the kid. Mitch the kid. Um, does he have a song called "Travel the Globe"? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. Okay, I'll I'll look him up for sure. I'm yeah, interested. Mitch the kid. And then Mark's my interest there. Mark's big in the CrossFit. He's a CrossFit coach and he bartends. Um, and um, they're both kind of uh, me when I was in my 20s trying to figure it out. I get that. Every, I mean, it's actually interesting. I was going to ask you a question a little bit later, but uh, if you could give your 20-year-old self advice, what would it be? So now now that it's right, we're right on topic here. Oh, okay. Well, first it would be like, do not ask that blonde hostess out at Ruby Tuesdays when you work there. That would be the first thing I would say. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. Stay away from her. Um, but if I could, after that, I would I would say, hey, man, do not sweat the small shit. That I know when you're younger, you're trying to get all this stuff and and achieve all these things. And there's nothing wrong with trying that. But when you start, you know, vexing over, I don't have enough or I don't have this and that. And this is really important when it's not. Um, it would definitely be it's going to be OK, man. Don't sweat the small stuff. You'll get through it. Uh, for sure. 
Okay. How, how do you, how do you define success? <sighs> happiness, Matt, happiness. Um, you know, it, that's a that's a word that can be used a lot of different ways. If you're asking me what makes me feel like I am successful, it's I am in a good place, I'm able to do the things I love, which is helping people. I'm able to see my family. Um, I'm able to spend time with them. I'm able to do the things I want. You know, um, that's to me that's success. It's not it's not the money. It's not the it's it's the intangibles. How's that? Okay. No, I mean, it, success is different um, for everyone. And I also think that it's something that maybe you don't really achieve. It's something that you're, it's, it's, it's fluid. It's evolving. You know, it changes. There's, there's times where I thought, man, I made it. And then, you know, you, tra- you, you, you go a few more months later and you're like, wow, I'm so far away from where I want to be because as you continue to grow and learn and, and things happen in your life, at least for me, it, it, it changes where your bar is. And so, right. The bars, move, the field goal posts move, unfortunately. So uh, it's always interested to hear how people view that. Um, what were, what are your thoughts on? Um, I, I think I don't think you made it to the Vegas meeting, but I know you went to Scottsdale and Miami. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. What What are your thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on the meetings? What how, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there was a singing cowboy Matt. And there was puppy dogs, and we were building houses. And I was like, "Where have I landed in my life right now?" And that was Scottsdale. <laughs> you know, you, you you had us. I'll never forget. I don't know if I've. T- I don't think I've told you this, but I remember I, I was in the back of the room, and you went up there, and you're like, "Okay, we're gonna break for lunch, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna do that role playing." And everyone's like, "Oh my god, nobody wants to do that, right? It's day two. and Someone in the back yells, that sucks. I don't want to do that. And I was like, oh, my God, who is that? And you're like, hey, hey, everybody, come on and take it serious. This is how I remember it. And then it just someone else said something. And then these girls came out and we found our work was over and 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 we were there to relax. And I thought, this is unbelievable because we did all the we did all the team building. We did all the get to know each other. We did the the um, instruction. You know how do we, how can we make this better? Where have we come from? Where are we headed? We did all the important stuff. And then I'm like, wait a second, now we're is that a fifty dollar bill for lunch? You know, <laughs> it just didn't stop, right? And then they ask after that meeting, um, you know, how can we make it better? I go, I don't know, singing cowboys and puppies. I don't know how you make it better, but good luck. And, and sure, as, sure as heck, you guys did. Um, you know, in Miami, it's just, it, I never worked for a company like this, but I would tell you if I had a company, it would be like this. You you got to let people be themselves. You got to let them understand that it's not all work and it's great to know each other and, and build that confidence. Even if you're in Phoenix and I'm in Frederick, right? So yeah. it, it, I, I know that we can't ever create the, the, the way that we, you know, cut the meeting off short in, in Scottsdale. Obviously if we would have tried that again in Miami, nobody would believed us, you know, that we were going to role play for two and a half to, or day and a half. Right. 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 Um, so, no, that was really cool. I remember when the meeting planners came to us and were like, hey, so we're going to have this guy rolling in the back of the room on a horse and start singing. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but let's give it a shot. You know what I mean? So that was really, that was really cool. In a W hotel. I got a video yeah. of it. People are like, what? I know. It's just like it's, 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 it's atypical in medicine specifically to have a meeting. Obviously, of course, we talk about ENT topics. Like last year we had the – 
in Miami, we had the day of just, just general ENT topics with, you know, different PAs and NPs and physicians. That was know, great. That, that, that was definitely impactful. But I mean, we always want to, we also want to re- reward, you know, the hard work that you guys do. You guys have such an opportunity and you guys are taking advantage of it to help so many people that wouldn't get help everywhere else. Um, and a lot of other clinics around the country, whether it's, they don't have access to care because they're booked out six weeks mm-hmm. for a new patient or their five minute appointments where the provider doesn't have an opportunity to learn enough information about the patient to figure out how they can help them. So, you know, we definitely have to take a, a, a time out and, you know, think about how we've helped people and where we're going and what we've done and also enjoy it and, and get an opportunity to know each other. So that's it paramount to me. And it will always be no matter what happens, as long as we're here, that we're going to have an opportunity to spend, you know, quality, you know, non-work time together. So um, fun, definitely worth the trip. Absolutely. Yeah. And we got some good stuff cooking for Dallas. I think we have Friday night figured out, but we, you know, we told them when they came back to us that they needed to go back to the drawing board for Saturday. Hopefully we can, you know, find something really cool. I'm, I enjoy Dallas. So I'm excited. Okay. Um, uh, get a little bit deeper here. What, yep. What's been on your mind recently um, that you, that, that, that you, that you want to share with the listeners that could be personally or professionally. I mean, obviously you mentioned as you get older, you look back, but is there anything, you know, that, that's something that, that, that's been top of mind recently? Uh, besides how much I, I hate what the internet is doing, uh, to people, you know, um, you know, going along with what's your worst fear. Um, you know, I, I, when I, when I see girls, like the girls that I work with and I see them, you know, women, when they look at each other, a woman walks in a room, they all look at each other and see like, Oh my gosh, what's she wearing? What's this and that? And now they have the whole internet to kind of compare themselves to, which is just terrible, right? And people can say or do anything on it. It's not personable. People don't have good conversations like this, like we're sitting down talking. Um, that's that's the – and it, it stresses people out. Everybody's got anxiety, and I just – I feel bad for my kids and my kids' kids, and I want them to know it's, it's going to be okay. No matter what comes down the pipe, it's going to be okay. Stuff comes and goes, and I can't – you know, I've gone, have had experiences in my life. I thought this is it. I don't think this is ever going to end. This is the worst. And, and over time I realized that's, that's not the case. You're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. So I don't know. It's just always something I think about. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's too much information out there. It's too, it's, it's just too much. We aren't made or built to know all the stuff that we're exposed to. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't disagree. I mean, if you look at like, they'll, they'll, they'll pull like kids in, in China or Japan and ask them, you know, what they hope to be when they grow up. And, and they'll say like engineers and doctors. And then you, you pull the, the, the kids in the U S and they say they want to be a YouTube star. And it's just, yeah. there's, there's, just a break, there's just a breakdown in society. Right. I know yeah. the YouTube guys, the, 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 the folks doing it are making 20, 30, $40 million a year, you know, blowing up cars on the internet. Right. Right. But it's, the, the odds are that most, most folks that aspire to that won't be that. So then, then what's the fallback? And that's where I think the, and maybe now, now I'm going to sound old, but like wh- where is society going? If that's, you know, a very pri- prime and common answer among, you know, elementary school age kids or middle school age kids, if that's, if that's what, what they're, they're striving towards. Yeah. It doesn't help anybody. It's just a thing to entertain, but what, what kind of entertainment is that? It's not cerebral. It doesn't help you. You know, might make you laugh here and there, but anyway. 
No, I know. So that that's a good that's a good point uh, to bring up. Um, let's talk about. I you shared a couple of stories at at our meeting in Miami. I don't know how, how if they were all appropriate for for a public podcast, but let's talk about some of your crazy, funny stories. Obviously, you have tons of experience in not only the military but in urgent care and the ER, especially with with the experience during COVID. So let's talk about a couple of different. You know, whether it was funny or crazy experiences that you don't that you feel like might be appropriate for uh, for our audience. Well, okay, so I'm going to just I'm going to go over a story um, that kind of goes along with it's going to be okay. You just never know what's going to kind of happen. So um, one morning um, I'm starting my shift in the ER and a code comes in and it's a it's a, a. a giant person that was uh, the wife woke up and the husband was not breathing. So they called 911. They brought him in and they, um, <laughs> we tried to work on him and, you know, he was, he was pretty much passed away before he even got there, but we worked on him. Then afterwards, what they typically do is they clean up the patient. They, they move him into a, a quiet area, um, have whoever's with them, um, sit with them and this and that. So this gentleman had passed away. They had put him down the hall with the wife and she was sitting there and it was early. There was nothing going on. So I thought I'm going to go over there and just kind of talk to her and, and um, see if she needs anything. So I go in there and say, hey, ma'am, I'm, you know, Mark, I'm the PA. And I just wanted to say, I'm really sorry about your husband. And, um, is, you know, is there anything I can get you? And she's like, no, no. Well, actually, do you mind sitting with me for a while? And I was like, oh, my God, that's awkward. OK, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll sit with you. I can I can sit with you. And, um, you know, we sat there and I said, uh, I, I don't really know what to say. I, I, I don't, you know. I'm feeling really weird right now. And she just started laughing. And I said, well, how, how long were you guys married? And she said, oh, we were married 32 years, I think she said. And um, we had four children and six grandchildren. We went to, we were high school sweethearts together. And um, you know what the last thing he said to me was? And I was like, no, ma'am, I, I, I don't. I don't. Um, and in that split second, man, I'm like, this is going to be amazing, right? It's going to be the most amazing thing ever. It's going to, I'm going to never forget it. Like, it's going to be I, like, like mind altering, like, you right, know, right. Like, oh my God. getting dropped on you, right? Yeah. Somehow this guy just knew and he wanted, and I said, no, I, I have no idea. And she said, well, we were laying in bed and he had a CPAP on and I was watching TV and he leaned over, he took a CPAP off and he said, what the hell are you watching? And I said, I'm watching my shows. Leave me alone. And he put the CPAP on it. And that was it. That was the last thing he said to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, I looked at her and, and she looked at me. And we smiled. And then we just started laughing. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I just did not see that coming. Right. And she said, I know it's. I just thought it would be something else, but it's so funny. How am I going to tell my kids? I go, no, you have to tell them that story. And then the nurse came by, I heard us laughing, and she's like, Mark, can you come here for a second? And like, why are you laughing? I go, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I can't tell you. It's and So that was the end of the story. And my point is, man, you just don't know, right? You just it, take every minute. Like, it, it could be your last. No, don't do that. But just know it's going to be okay. You're going to say something, you know. That's 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 the one thing that that I took away from that. And then, of course, there are those stories where I put my foot in my mouth. Um, can I tell another one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I, cool. I like it. Yeah. 
what the hell are you watching? Anyway, so I'm watching it. Uh, I have a kid come in. He's got this little cut on his forehead. And now he's five, right? Um, and the mom's like, I need a plastic surgeon. Can you call a plastic surgeon? And I said, ma'am, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. The plastic surgeon knows me. He'll want me to close it. Well, no, I really want you to call him. So I call him. I tell him. He's like, look, let me let me talk to her. Um so the kid, like I said, the kid's five. So she gets on the phone with him and she gets off. She says, okay, okay. He said he would let you close any of his kids' lacerations. Let's, let's do it, right? So the kid's kind of amped up. He's five. The dad's sitting in the corner. The mom's sitting next to him. And um, I'm at the head. So we've got him kind of strapped down a little because he's getting a little wild. And... He's going, mommy, mommy. And she goes, don't worry, don't worry. We're, we'll get you something. He goes, I want some nani. She goes, we'll get you some nani. So he kept doing this. I want nani. I want this. I want nani. I'm like, okay. So I'm suturing up and he won't stop saying it. And I go, look, I don't know what this nani is, but I want some too. And the dad just starts laughing. And I look at the mom and she says, he wants to breastfeed. And I was like, oh, okay. So oh, no. five, yeah, five-year-old. Five. Um, I'm like, oh, and the girl that was holding the kid's head just died laughing. So that's just another example of me putting my foot in my mouth. And then I went out and told the boss, I go, I think I might have gotten in trouble. <laughs> but the dad laughed and it was all fine. So you just never know. I don't know if that's perfect um, or not, but he wanted if, to ask it too. If you had to spell Nani, how would you spell it? <laughs> N-A-N-N-I. Um, and I don't know how that came about. I don't know. I looked it up to see if it was a word for breastfeeding or milk in the another language. <laughs> that's too funny. That's that's not what I expected you to say. I mean, as you kept going, I was like, maybe it's something like that. But if you didn't tell me how old the kid was, I would maybe five. have gone with that. But five, I wouldn't have gone there, to be honest. That's too funny. That's why I said it. I'm like, I don't know what this nani is, but I want some too. Oh, anyhow, so... Those are my uh, weird ER stories. I have a thousand more, but none that I can repeat. Yeah, no, the, the one that you told at the meeting was hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, then there's the kids' stories. I mean, the, the stories with my boys. And, uh, anyway. Oh, no worries. What's your, um, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, favorite movie. Okay, so, man, you know, speed round. What do you want to say? Comedy? Um, comedy. Uh, Anchorman. Horror? Uh, Exorcist, the original, terrifying, um, action, Kill Bill, um, sci-fi, interstellar. What else? Westerns. You like Westerns? I love Westerns. What you got? Unforgiven or Dances with Wolves or Dances with Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what about like a drama, like a, like a, like a crime movie, like a mob movie? Oh, Oh, uh, usual usual suspects was great. Did you ever that's see that? One. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yep. yeah. That's a good one. Man, I love There's watching movies. This is gonna sound terrible, um, <laughs> but we were in college. Obviously, when you're college, like you know, when you're 19 years old, like you know, you you probably don't have the best tact, right? So no. There's a guy. There's this homeless guy in Pittsburgh. I went to University of Pittsburgh for undergrad, and um, he he supposedly like had had some kind of issue, which is is sad that I found out later. He was like a former Carnegie Mellon professor, which is right down the street. But he 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 had a couple dogs with him, and we used to call him Dances with Dogs. So, to your point of Dancing with Wolves, it just made me thought think of that. I haven't thought of that since probably in twenty years, probably or fifteen years. Um, so it, that that's I haven't heard the Dances with Wolves in so long. That was a good um, movie. Yeah, definitely good. Um, who's the person you admire most? Could be could be when you were growing up too. 
No, I'll tell you right off the bat, it's, it's my wife. She's unbelievable. Like, I met her when she was 21. She's just a little girl from Southern Maryland, bubbly and fun and happy. And I've watched her grow into the most amazing mother and woman. She can be pissed when I say this. I don't care about. I mean, she can do anything. I, I've never met someone that literally can do whatever she wants. And And this is a little personal, but, you know, to work in the pediatric ICU, you have to be pretty high functioning, right? I mean, you got to be able to you know, make decisions in a millisecond, which is a lot of medicine. But you know, she had a she had a bad head injury, and um, it, she was out of work for two years. And, and in the middle of that was my kids being ten, twelve, and fourteen, and us having a karate studio and having um, a um, CrossFit and I had a job and she couldn't work and she couldn't match two triangles. And she, she just, it was the most obscure, weird injury ever. And she fought back from it. She, she fought back for, for two years, um, rehab and ended up getting her third degree, fourth degree, um, you know, writing two kids books. I mean, she just doesn't stop. She's just, she's just amazing. So, um, to, to have that in my life and see someone like that just not stay down when she just could have stayed down, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. So um, I'm sure she'll be upset that I told that little story, but I, she's my hero. I, I look at her and I'm like, well, shit, that's impressive. That's, I mean, like, that's pretty incredible. I came that's a home, lot of stuff. So she said, I came home, I'm going to write a, a kid's book. Six months later, it was published. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, no, it's crazy. That's crazy. I agree with that. Um, if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. 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 When what? I, when I worked as a contractor, I traveled all around the world and they, everyone I traveled with knew that I was going to try and find the best pizza. Um, and, uh, I will give you three guesses where I found the best pizza on the planet. Um, so I, no, no. I, so I follow uh, Dave Portnoy's one bite bite reviews. His favorite pizza is New Haven, Connecticut, not in Connecticut. That, that would be a guess. Nope. Cause you're going to, you're going to pick some really obscure place. Cause you said not Italy, which not, I, w- I wouldn't have picked Italy either. So uh-huh. it's not, it's not Connecticut, which, which I love the Northeast pizza too. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a big like deep dish Chicago, Detroit or whatever nonsense. Like it needs to be thin crust. It needs to be, it can't be like falling all over the place. Um, where would it be? Uh, what, what hemisphere is it? What hemisphere is it in? Northern hemisphere. Okay. So, mm, mm, east or west? Um, well, I'll just say the United States west. So it's in the, it's in the U S. Okay. Yes. Um, man. Um, I don't even know where to go with this. So. Just, just you could just tell me because I, I, I got nothing. Because I want to say San Francisco, but their pizza's not good. I'm trying to pick a place that wouldn't have good pizza. <laughs> Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> Anchorage, Alaska. What was it called? Um, the Moose's Tooth. The Moose's Tooth. For any of the listeners out here uh, that 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 go to Alaska, go to Anchorage. Moose's Tooth. I know uh, Taylor and Brittany's dad 
either lives there still or goes back and forth. So next time you guys go, you got to let us know how the moose's tooth is. It's amazing. They make their own dough. They make their own sauce. They, they make their own beer. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's the best pizza. So what, what's the best pizza in Maryland? Um, there's a place, um, uh, oh God, in, in right in Damascus slash, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Drawing a blank, having a seizure, a senior moment. I'll think about it. Maji's, it's called Maji's in Damascus. Very good. I uh, the the first, the the second, third, and fourth jobs I had in my life were were making pizza. Really? I actually worked at I actually worked at three pizza places at the same time one summer. I think it was the summer before I went. To, uh, no, the summer after my freshman year of college, I worked at three different pizza places at the same time. So wow. In our new in our new house, we're trying to we're going to try to get them to put a pizza oven in the backyard. Because my wife wants me to make her dinner, and I can't cook anything, but I can make pizza. So I had a buddy that did that. He built a, a patio in a in a backyard, and, and he put I like you got to put a pizza oven in there. He did it, and it's amazing. So do it. Yeah, like she, she she'll bring her nieces over, and I'll like roll the dough out and get the fresh dough from the store. I used to I worked at a place where we made it, you mm-hmm. know. But I I don't that's not really in my wheelhouse. But I'll I'll take it. I throw the dough up in the air. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Do yeah. all that. Yeah, so. Um, you know, I'm, I definitely, I, I enjoy that. Like that's, that's fun. Um, as far as cooking could be, I mean, obviously I grill too, but you know, um, making pizza is definitely a little bit more of a cooking experiment like she would normally do than, than, than putting some, I've actually, um, I've actually grilled pizza before. So you, you take the dough, you got to put like olive oil all over the uh, grill so that it doesn't stick. What you do is you take the dough and you lay it down and like get it crisp on one side, just a little bit. So you take it off. Then you flip it over on, and then you flip it over, um, on, on on a counter in the house, and then you put all the toppings in the in the um, in the sauce and stuff on it, and then you cook it on the other side that wasn't on the grill the first time. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it gives you a good little flavor. So give that a shot if you uh, if you if you feel like you have it in you. It's a good. It, it comes out pretty good. Um, if your wife was on this podcast, what would she say about you? Um, <laughs> oh, the, I'm a dork, uh, but a lovable dork. Um, I've got a big heart. I have a, uh, a good sense of humor. That's probably why she married me. It wasn't my looks. It was that I made her laugh pretty much. Um, and when she gets drunk, she'll say, no one can love me like you can. So what's her nickname for you? I don't think that's uh, important, Don. To you. <laughs> <laughs> should call me smooth. You don't have to share it. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, what um, what questions do you have for me? Oh, I got some questions for you, Matt Gannon. Um, All right, I figured you did, so I left you a little bit more time than I normally do. <laughs> okay, music. What kind of music? What is your favorite group? Or, oh, or- favorite group group so this is weird um it, it i don't know if people would guess this like obviously danny probably knows this but growing up in the dc suburbs played basketball my whole life i didn't even know country music existed mm-hmm. until i went to college and didn't even know it existed um the first country song i heard i think i was a sophomore in college i didn't like a non-rap song until i was a sophomore <laughs> year in high school i think it was sophomore year it was a uh, green day when i come around was the first non-rap song that i ever liked oh yeah um so best group. I mean, you know, I, I love Drake. Um, his, his stuff in the last few years hasn't been great. Very disappointing. 
Um, everyone knows that I love Gashi. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he's putting out a new album next in, in the first, the first part of next year. He actually performed at my birthday party last year. Um, he's incredible. He, he's actually usually more hip hop and R and B, but he's going to have a country ish album coming out. I've gotten into country music in the last year somehow. Um, so there's that. I mean, you know, the first concert I ever went to was George Michael. Love George Michael growing up. Hell yeah. Right? Yeah. Love George Michael. I went to Janet Jackson's, um, gosh, what was that tour? It was a big, it, I forget what the album was. My mom took me to that. There was a big Janet Jackson tour. My mom loves boys to men. I've seen boys to men more times than I know to, than I care to share. But I'll say that every time my mom says she's going, uh, I tell her they put out new music. Cause I don't think they've made a song since water runs dry. And then she, you know, she doesn't enjoy that comment, but, um, you know, I love, I love mostly all music now. I mean, I'll listen to like EDM music. Uh, I love Morgan Wallen. Who's a pretty new country singer. Um, you know, hip hop and R and B. So, I mean, I, I think, I think that's a pretty, pretty robust answer. I love sublime growing up too. That was like the sublime, sublime self-titled album was like the college road trip album where everyone listens to that. No matter who you are, everyone mm-hmm. would like that one or at least be okay with it. So yeah. Um, and, and I love Frank Sinatra, which I don't listen to as much as I used to love Sinatra. Um, you know, nothing like a, a good, like early morning golf round, listening to, listening to some Frank Sinatra. So. Frank, yeah. My first concert was Elvis. That's no oh, man. That'd be incredible. That's incredible. In Rochester, I, I, I bear, I was probably 14. Um, but my aunt and uncle went, they took me and I was like, wow, this was amazing. Now he was pretty big back then. That was his, near his end, but, um, put on an amazing show. So I'll tell you one of the coolest shows I've ever seen. It was at uh, it was in Berkeley when I lived in the Bay area during 2014 and saw John legend perform. He just sits there with the piano. Oh, I saw it. Just, I saw it's it. It's cool, amazing. Such a cool performance. Amazing. Right. I, I was, I was surprised at how good it was. Yeah, he tells the story in between songs. I was like, wow, this guy is so talented. Yeah, he talks about how he was like an investment, like a financial advisor, a finance guy. And then he, I think he played the piano on an Erica Badu song or something like that. And then somehow he became a singer. Obviously, he can sing. So he always was someone that sang, but just kind of incredible that his path was to go to UPenn and then be working finance, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense for someone that can sing like that. But well, his, his, mother, his mother and grandmother were in the choir. So he sang in the choir. Uh, I think it was Baptist. So that's where he got his singing, um, you know, debut when he was younger. Yeah, really great concert. So, yeah, fantastic. What else you got? Um, favorite drink? Man, I mean, uh, really good red wine. Okay. Um, I should probably should drink less of it, but I do enjoy that a ton. Um I mean, if I'm going to have a cocktail, like I like a, I mean, I could do a, an old fashioned, a good one or a Sazerac, um, skinny margarita, you know, trying to be cognizant of that. I, I do like, I, I like margaritas um, or, or I'll do an espresso martini, but it can't have Bailey's. It needs to be essentially, you know, like almost like a black coffee. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you put a little bit of uh, Kahlua in there, you know, some cold brew or fresh espresso and then, and then, and then some good vodka. And I do it on the rocks. You know what I mean? Just so I'm not carrying around a martini glass, but it's it's good. How about you? Oh, I'm uh, during COVID. I was able to perfect the old fashioned. You can ask the crew here; they will agree. And uh, margarita, yeah, margarita, we call it. Okay, margarita. I'll have to try a margarita. I do love. I do. I do love a good margarita. Yeah, yeah. I, I use uh, Cointreau and um, Grand Marnier in mine. So 
Oh, you, the Cadillac. Yes, yeah, so you do the little GM. You yeah. Do anything to cut the lime. I do fresh lime juice, yep. and then you could do like a splash of like Sprite or a splash, a splash, like a teeny splash of OJ or something just to like, you know, cut, cut that, cut the acidity. But I also get heartburn as I get older. So it's like, oh, it doesn't you know, get any better, man. It doesn't get any better. You can't, it's the I worst. can't drink them two hours before I go to bed. I'm hating it. I, I'm like, <laughs> like Pepsi, wake up to go to the bathroom in the light, take some Mylanta. And it's just like, man, I didn't even eat any pizza or red sauce or wine tonight. Like I didn't have any of that. Why, why am I having heartburn? Right. You know? Right. So um, anything else um yeah i mean a little more deep i mean what's your biggest fear what keeps you up at night the kind of two questions in one well i mean that that is it that is a deep one um it, i don't i don't know you know the hardest thing to figure out is what your purpose is right because a lot of people attribute purpose to you know a financial gain of some kind or something like that, but I don't really think that's a purpose. A purpose could be that you want to be financially successful so that you can actually do what your real purpose is, right? So some people want to go into politics and, you know, like to your point of, you know, try to figure out a way to make the world better for your for your grandkids and your grandkids' grandkids and stuff like that. So if you're if you're in a great place where you're financially free, you can you, you have an opportunity to do that. So some people have it like that. Some people want influence, so they want to get into media and, and influence people. Um you know, so I think I really, for me, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I just like watching other people, like helping people. Um, obviously I didn't choose a path of medicine like you did where you're helping people every single day. I'm not, I, I don't have an opportunity to help people. I could facilitate processes and moral clinics where folks like you guys can continue to help people. So that's important to me. Um, so when I think about, you know, what keeps me up at night when I wake up and I can't go back to sleep. It's like, are we, are we growing fast enough? You know, we, we, we've opened eight, eight or nine clinics the last two years in a row. Um, we hit, slowed down a little bit. We only have two clinics scheduled to open next year. The next one opens in like a few weeks. We have a good pipeline. So we're working on that to try to speed that back up. But like, I want to make sure that I didn't shortchange people that I had an opportunity to help help. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite stories, what's that? I said that's legit. That's definitely legit, right? Did I did I forget anybody? Schindler's List. Did I, I could have gotten fifty more. You know, I could have I could have done. Yeah, that's like what we don't have an office in Chicago. We don't have an office in New York. We don't have an office in Miami. You know, we don't have an office in Houston. These are like massively populated cities that are are underserved, right? Then and how why why haven't we done that? What's wrong with me? Like why? So I think about that kind of stuff. Why haven't we? given an opportunity for people to get better there, but not only the, not only the patients that, that are going to get better, but what about, you know, people that we would bring on that would, that would help facilitate, you know, the care, the, the PAs, the doctors, the, the staff, and, and they don't have an opportunity to grow now. Right. Like uh, that's some of my favorite, some of my favorite, you know, some of my favorite things that have happened over the past five plus years that we've been doing this is watching the, the staff grow, watching, you know, the doctors lives change, watching them be less stressed and, and having people to help them do you know, the, the pre-authorizations and deal with the staff and deal with the, you know, billing and the, and, and the books and payroll and all that stuff that they're like, oh, I'm so happy. I don't have to do this anymore. My life is so much, you know, less stressful. I, I work less, you know, but I'm helping more people all at the same time. And so, you know, I think about how do we make sure that we maximize that and we don't, you know, leave that to chance. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's my biggest fear necessarily is not doing that, but that's what, you know, if I had to tell you what, what, if I wake up in the middle of the night and my mind's racing, which happens a couple times a week and I can't go back to sleep, you know, that's usually the topic somewhere, you know, centered around or related to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no path to you walk it, man. I mean, um, it's, it's the journey. Um, uh, it's, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take it. It's, some people don't do it. They don't, they don't try to, they don't understand that you just got to go out there and put your balls out there, man. And just walk it. it it's hard sometimes. I mean, you know, the opportunity costs, you know, what if, what if I don't, what, but maybe what if, but, you know, I remember when I first, you know, left what was, what is now striker ENT when we got acquired to, to do this with Dr. Kana back in the summer of 2018, everyone was like, you're crazy. Like that, you know, it, it's not going to work. You, there, why would you do that? Why are you moving back there? Why are you taking this risk? You know, and it's just to me, even though it is a risk technically, right? I always talk about theoretical versus actual risk. And sometimes we think things are risky. Like if you're going to, you know, rappel down a wall, which I've done, and I thought, okay, I'm going to die now because I'm scared of heights. But that's more of a theoretical risk because we had like a, a, a former Navy, you know, kind of type guy that type folks that when we were in um, Belize doing it, that they trained folks to do that in the, in the, in the military. So like, we're probably not going to die, right? That's more of a theoretical than an actual risk. I mean, there was an actual risk that this thing would fail. I, I didn't believe that it was. So, you know, people always ask, you know, to your point, like, you know, there's, there's plenty of people talk about things and not everyone does them, but, you know, I, I like to roll the dice a little bit, you know, so. I, you have to, you have to, you have to, you you have to try to figure out your passion, but you got to know yourself in order to even know what your passion is. Right. Um, so it's, it's, we're all the same. Um, we all have most have most of us have the same fears, same desires. Um, they vary, but we have so much more in common than we I think we even know. Um, so, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, those are great questions. If you have anything else, feel free to shoot. No, I, I think that's it. Uh, you know, I think you probably got a. What time is it? You're three hours behind me, right? Ah, uh, two. But I got, I got, we we got a few more minutes where this thing doesn't get out of control lengthwise. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, I don't know. I think what I'd like to share, I'd like to share my, my story. Like, I think that one of the defining moments in my life is, um, 2000, 2003, almost tw 20 years ago, I was deployed to Iraq. Right. So actually I was deployed to um, Fort Campbell for 17 months. I was going to be at Fort Campbell, Kentucky doing sick call and stuff like that. And I was miserable. I was there for about a month and I was like, I can't believe I'm, I'm my, I'm being wasted. Like I, yeah, I've been doing ER trauma. So they came to us and they're like, Hey, we have a, we have a mission. We'd like some volunteers, some medical volunteers to go to Kuwait. And I looked at my buddy and we raised our hands. We're like, let's go. I don't want to be in Kentucky. Let's go to Kuwait. So we went to Kuwait. We, that was just the, the weird. Okay. Um, and then we were there for another month we did all our, of our staging there in Northern Kuwait. And then they said, Hey, we've got a, another mission. Uh, we need some volunteers who wants to go to Iraq. And I looked at my buddy, another PA, we raised our hands. Let's go. So now we're going, it's, this shit's getting real, right? We're, we're going to Iraq and I'm landing in Baghdad and I'm getting in the Jeep with five guys I don't know. I sat in the airport for five hours just waiting, 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 right? Finally, these guys show up. It's a psych bunch of uh, psych guys, and we're going to go up the red highway to Balad. And Balad was the um, Iraqi Air Force Academy. It had the longest runway in Iraq. And, <clears throat> excuse me, 
And that's where we had one of our main uh, combat support hospitals. So we're driving up the red highway. And then like, why do I call it the red highway? It's like, well, that's where the most Americans have been killed. I'm like, oh, that's a great name. Oh, and I literally have no plates on. I've got Kevlar. I've got a nine millimeter. I'm sitting sideways in the front seat. And they're like, if anybody comes near, just shoot. And I'm thinking, if I have to shoot someone with a nine millimeter, this, you know, this is stupid, right? I mean, I'm, this is not good. And I'm thinking of my kids and I'm thinking of my wife. So we drive up there, we get to Balad and I start doing traumas. I start doing a bunch of different things that it just, even though I had worked inner city, I had never experienced anything like this. Families, kids, women, just, just horrible stuff. And Time's going on. I haven't seen my wife. I haven't talked to my kids. It was 2003. There, you know, there was a point where I didn't take a shower for 22 days because uh, we didn't have water. There was no electricity in a lot of places. And um, and then I finally get to talk to my wife and I, I talk online. And, you know, 20, 2003, there's Skype. I think that was it. And, and I'm, I'm realizing that it's like I'm dead, but I can see what happens with my family, that they're going to be, they're going to be okay. The kids are going to birthday parties. They're, you know, they're, they're having play, play dates with their friends. Grandma's coming over. My wife's working. Bills are getting paid. Everything's going to be okay. And I can see that. And I thought, wow, that's, um, that, that was kind of a pinnacle in my, <laughs> in my life, just knowing that, um, yeah, I could not come back and then everything will be okay. Cause you, you just don't know, right. You, you, you don't know. Um, Christmas came, Christmas is now, and it was 20 years ago. It was my first Christmas without my family, and it was tough. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was it was really tough coming up and tough for all, all of us there stuck there. And um, you find this bond with people when you're in that situation that you can't duplicate in a regular life. These people that you you don't know, but now you know them, and you know, you're watching each other, and you're you're just going through terrible things together and, and getting through it. And I just think that story, that idea that, okay, everything's going to be okay. Um, and then <laughs> I think about the first time I came back to the States and um, I got to play golf. It was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> I mean, obviously <laughs> my kids just yeah. sitting on the, on the first tee, looking at the sky. And that's, that's kind of like when I was like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about shit. That doesn't matter. It just, it's amazing how one thing can change your life. And then I got deployed a second time and that just sucked all over again. But, um, you know, that's a, so, that's a huge thing for me. And I think people, if I can do it, you can do it basically. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. well, first of all, I'm sure everyone else is thinking this. Thank you for your service. Um, well, a lot of us that haven't or wouldn't do that. So, um, that's appreciated. And then also it's interesting how something, I don't want to say traumatic, maybe it was traumatic, um, or different or, you know, uncomfortable can, 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 can give you, I mean, your liberation, you know, you freed yourself from things that don't matter, which I think, you know, a lot of people spend way too much time on me, myself included sometimes on, you know, worrying about things that really don't actually matter. They, they don't, you're so stressed. You don't know, right. I'm, I'm there and I don't know, you know, how they're doing or what's going on. And then, and I talk to them and then I'm, I don't talk to them for another month. And then, you know, and you're like, it's, it's going to be okay. There's all this stuff you're so stressed about stuff you stressed about before you left stuff you're stressed about when you come back. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, how many, how many earths fit in the sun, right? Um, well, you know, how many earths fit in the sun? I don't. 
1.2 million Earths fit in the sun. And my point wow. is, we're so insignificant. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. We That's get so crazy. fired up. And, and it's just, you know, enjoy your time. Um, it'll be okay. It's going to be okay. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's a, uh... That's pretty powerful um, and impactful. And I'm, I'm glad that you um, threw that in there at the end. Um, you know, is there anything else yeah. like that you want to share? Feel no, free. I feel like it ended up in honor, but, um, you know, it, it helped me keep my perspective. And then, and I think I'm a way better person. I'm more happy um, for it, too. So, and I, I can, and, you know, I came back. <laughs> All right. One other thing, you keep asking me stuff, but I came back and I was kind of type A, anal retentive. And, um, <laughs> I was working around the house and Susie wanted me to put up, put up some pictures and <laughs> she, I put the holes in the wall and then she goes, I don't like it there. Normally I would have freaked out. Now I got to fix the holes. Now I got to do this. And I'm like, okay, where do you want it? And I never said anything again. She goes, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> you put two extra holes in the wall. I'm like, no man, that shit doesn't matter. Anymore. She goes, wow. Okay. So, you know, it's a simple story, but, um, uh, yeah, I just, I just want people to know, man, I was so freaking stressed out. Even the kids today, it's, it's tough. So. No, well, you're right. I mean, there's little things like that, that like get my blood pressure up and yeah, get my blood yeah. boiling a little bit. And, and, and to your point, it's like either who cares, maybe we'll just hang two things and we don't even have to fill these holes because we're covering them. Or, I mean, filling a little hole that you made in the wall is not really that big of a deal. I well, mean, you, got I can even do that. you got two holes in the wall now, right? it right for the cat <laughs> oh we did now they're full they're covered now there's there's two so for for the folks that are still listening um <laughs> we the first we were supposed to record this last week i think on thursday or no no tuesday was it wednesday i don't remember it doesn't matter yeah. point is is we had we, there was a there's a fireplace access panel in our house it's gas so you pop the thing off and the guy's trying to fix it and the cat disappears, you know, probably midday on Monday of last week. We don't realize the cat's gone till about, you know, it's like eight or nine o'clock. And my wife's like, uh, yeah, the cat's definitely not here. I know it. So we tear our house apart, open every drawer, lift up every possible thing it can be. Then we decide that the contractor must have let the cat out. And so for that's that's Monday night. So we go all of Tuesday, essentially looking for this cat, driving around, flashlights, everything, you know. Tuesday night goes around. We have tickets to this basketball game. She's like, you go to the game, you know, um, I'll, I'll keep looking. I spent the whole day on Tuesday, like driving around looking. And then we get back and, and she's like freaking out. And she's like, I can hear him meowing in the walls. He's in the walls. And I'm like, well, how the heck could he get in the wall? And she's like, well, they looked at the fireplace. Right. So then I sleep in a guest bedroom with our other dog and our cat or our dogs and our cat. She sleeps in our, our bedroom where the fireplace is with the, with the, with the, with the, hole open in the wall she took the panel out she didn't want the other cat to get in there the dogs to scare the cat cat won't come out so then she decides on wednesday that you can hear the cat meowing in the hallway and like the other uh, bedroom and like the little passageway to the living room and so now she's convinced that the, the cat's anywhere in the house so contractor comes over and has like schematics of the house and they're like well they can make it into this room and in this room but then it kind of blocks here unless he jumps in the corner then he could be anywhere so we're, there's like two speakers in the bedroom they pull him out of the ceiling we're trying to get up and like find this cat so we cut a hole in the ceiling about four o'clock on wednesday and we put a trap that she got from like the i don't know some animal shelter and you put 
tuna in there. So what happens is, is the cat walks around and goes to eat the tuna, steps on something, it locks the cat in there. Boom, we got the cat. So after like two hours of that, they go by. I have to. I have a meeting. It's kind of like an early dinner. I think. I think it was at five, and I was there to like six thirty or seven, and I get a text in the middle of it, and there's another hole in the wall, and she's pulling the the damn cat out of the wall, right? So the guy that that runs the he owns the the co- the company that built our house. He's there, and he's like on a Facetime with the guy that went through the house the first time during the day, and he goes. You know, he, he was, he was, he's Israeli. He was in the army. He has like this big pocket knife and he's like, I'm doing it my way now. And he just jams the knife into the wall and just cuts a hole in there. Right. Cause you know, we, we were convinced that the cat got all, all the way around, but then he's like, no, I don't think the cat got out of here. I think he's in here based on, I think it was echoing. Like I think his meowing was echoing, but the reason that we could hear him a lot more in the first day and a half or so, it's cause he still had a little bit of energy. So that's why we thought it was echoing. And then towards the end, like you couldn't really hear him anywhere besides that localized area. It, he wasn't strong enough to echo. So, and, and we also found this cat in a wall at a restaurant, which is another story. The cat <laughs> fell from a roof of the restaurant into this drain and we were eating there and they were like, there's a cat in the wall. So my wife and I go and we're like interrupting these other people's dinner, but we don't really, I, don't, I didn't really care. Um, so we get a ladder, we get up there, we can't get the cat out. Long story short, my wife convinces the fire department to come and they kept telling us that they don't, do that anymore and she just kept calling and then the lady dispatch told them can you guys just go and do this so this woman stops calling um so they show up and we couldn't get the cat out like he wouldn't come out he had like his claws like into the stucco and so like at one point the fire guy goes like i think the cat's dead but you know he didn't die i mean he's probably one and a half pounds at this point like a couple weeks old and so they poured olive oil from the roof into the drain and got a kit pair of kitchen tongs and essentially extracted the cat who was now lubricated by the oil and couldn't like hold on as much and with the kitchen tongs. And so his name's Oliver because he got olive oil spilled all over him to get him out. So he has a, a, a penchant for getting into the walls. Okay. This, this cat has been stuck in a wall twice in six months. <laughs> so what a freaking week last week was. So I appreciate your patience in rescheduling this. That's no nightmare. problem. We were yeah, wondering, but- like, we, I need a cat update. What's going on? What's <laughs> Yeah, so I sent Danny the video of, of, of Gina pulling pulling Oliver out of the wall. It's freaking crap, cat, dude. dude I mean, so she, she put a she put a collar on him with a bell. So you can kind of hear him as he runs around now <laughs> because he keeps doing it. So we if we had the bell, we would have known where he was. Right. So yeah. yeah, man. So that that's the story of Oliver the wall cat. Um yeah. So thanks again for your patience. Um yeah, no, this is fun. I appreciate you, yeah. you considering me and, and taking the time. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate your candor. Um, you know, I appreciate your stories, and, and you, you got deep a few times and shared some things that you probably don't share all the time. So thank you for letting us, you know, kind of take those in. Um, and before we wrap, if you guys wouldn't mind, please um, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us some reviews. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, if you're listening and you're a part of the Breathe Free family and you want to be on the podcast, let your let your ops manager know or feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can reach out to Matt at Capital Breathe Free or Matt at NationalBreatheFree.com. We'll get you on the show. Um, thank you again, Mark, for coming on the podcast. Appreciate your time and insight that you've given the listeners. Um, thanks again, Mark. This is uh, a wrap on another episode of the Breathe Free podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening for listening and we'll catch you on the next one thanks matt thanks mark take care